if you know me at all, you know that I love the holidays. They are literally my favorite time of the year. I get excited as the holiday season approaches. I love the holiday season. I, I from Thanksgiving to, to basically Christmas, I don't give a crap about New Year's, but man, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I just love it. I, I love that it's just a change from the other 11 months out of the year. Man, I love the Christmas lights. I love the decorations. I, I love every single aspect of the holidays. I mean, it's, it's the season. It's the season to be thankful, to give, for getting together. It's the season to think about other people. It's that, that time of season where it's the end of the year, and we know the new year's coming, and we begin to reflect. And You can already see the posts on Facebook. F 2018, it's been a horrible year. Everybody's reflecting. Of course, what we do with our human nature is we reflect in a negative light, you know, instead of a positive light. So it's funny, the same people every year, it's always been the worst year ever, and, you know, but man, it's a time of reflection. It, it's a time to start new because, you know, you can, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't start new until January 1st. Like, you can't start stopping smoking today. Well, like, why would you do that? Like, you can't be like, hey, I'm going to take care of my body better. Like, oh, January 1st, you know. January. So January 1st is just that mystical date that you're allowed to, to start new. You know, th th this year I'm going to handle my finances better and have better relations. But for the next month, I'm just going to keep doing my crappy stuff that I do. It's just a new beginnings. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I'm the same way. You know what I mean? Man, I just love the holidays. And they're here, and we sing the songs about them. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But have you ever noticed that the most wonderful time of the year can very quickly become the most horrible time of the year? The older you get, it seems like the more people, instead of being excited about the holidays, they dread the holidays. Because the reality is this. Life is crazy. Every day, life's crazy. Every second, life's crazy. It seems like there's always some kind of drama and some kind of relationship thing and some kind of this and some kind of... Life in general is crazy. Now you add the everyday craziness of life with the craziness of the holidays... You know what it does? Whole nother level of crazy. I mean, what was supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year becomes a time of dread. A time of you can't wait for it to be over. A time of, man, I thought it was going to be different this year, and now I just want January 1st to get here because, again, that's the only time that we can start new. Just a season of laughter and family and friends and gathering and having fun quickly becomes just a season to be broke. Just a season to be stressed. Just a season to be depressed. Just a season to forget the reason for the season. Just a season to stay in a rut. Our, our bad habits just sort of get magnified during the holidays. You, gotta, you struggle with your temper, it seems like it's worse 
during the holidays and you struggle eating wrong. It seems like it's worse during the holidays and you have bad financial principles in your life. It's magnified during the holidays and we just stay in this rut. And I get excited every year when the holidays come. And I just got to be honest with you. I'm a dreamer. I, I, I'm an, just love the way things could be. It's kind of how I live my life. And I have this fantasy every year about the holidays. And it's going to be awesome. And we're going to decorate the house all beautiful. And there's going to be harmony in the kids. They're not normal any other time, but this time of year they're going to be normal. <laughs> and the church that I pastor and I love, the people in the church during the holiday season are just going to be normal, whatever that means. And the family's going to get together and the turkey's going to be perfect or the ham's going to be perfect or the rib roast is going to be perfect and everyone's going to sit around the table and we're going to talk about how great the last year was and, and nobody's going to do it. Like my father-in-law is not going to take that moment to call out this person or that person, the family, or I'm not going to smart off to somebody who says something dumb and get popped around the table by Christine and, and like nothing crazy is going to happen. And then like on my side of the family, what's going to happen is my mom's going to send out the group text saying, this day we can all get together. And she's not going to do what she's done for 20 years of my life being in ministry and say, I think we should all get together Christmas Eve night. And I'm going to have to be the back and say, hey, you know, the last 20 years I pastor and we have Christmas Eve services, I'm not going to be able to make it. And then she's going to respond back, hey, just one year I wish that we could get together as a family. And I'm going to be like, we could get together as a family maybe if we didn't do it on Christmas Eve, you know. And, you know, like, hey, newsflash, I've been doing this for 20 years. And then my mom will do what she always does. I never knew you could pray too hard. And I said, what do you mean? Well, when you were out doing this and doing that, I prayed that you'd find Jesus. And I guess you just found him too hard. I can't have time for family now. And, you know, like, I, I just live in this fantasy world that that's not going to happen. And... Like, it's weird. Like, when it comes to Christmas, I'm kind of an old school guy. Like, I had this fantasy that it's going to be like a Norman Rockwell painting. You know what I mean? And that's just the way I picture it. But what happens in the Lamb house, and I know this would never happen in your house, my holidays normally go from Norman Rockwell to Christmas vacation very quickly. I mean, I... I to look out my window and see the RV out there and the pumpage going into the sewage would not surprise me at all. The holidays are rough. As much as we love the holidays, the reality of the holiday season is that it is stressful. The hubbub of regular life meets the hubbub of the holidays and it's just non-stop insanity this week this week at the lamb house one child has something on tuesday one child has something at school on wednesday night one child has something on thursday night i have a job i have to do on friday night saturday we have a get together sunday we have a get together and it's that way for the rest of the year until christmas day it's crazy and what happens is, is we allow the most wonderful time of the year to become the most horrible time of the year because we don't know how to biblically deal with the holidays. <laughs> holiday season, holiday joy, seasons greeting, Christmas cheer. 
meets Christmas schedules and crazy schedules and Christmas parties and mall traffic and Christmas dinner where the crazy uncle gets drunk and cusses everyone out. And a time of year that I used to love, we begin to dread. It's a stressful time of year, and it affects us to the point that we literally dread the holiday season. What starts as a time that you can't look that you can't wait to get here turns into a time that you can't wait for it to be over. And that creates something in us called anxiety. And the Bible says this in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart. See, when we deal with the, 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 uh, the anxiety and the stress of the holidays, it affects our heart and our hearts affect our entire being. So what I want to do throughout this series is we're going to deal with some of the things that cause us anxiety during the holidays. I want to talk to you on how you biblically deal with those things. We're going to talk about how we deal with that family member that drives us crazy. You know what I'm talking about, the family member you avoid all year long but you can't during the holidays? You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the family member that you unfollowed on. You didn't unfriend them because that would start a family feud. But you unfollowed them because nobody knows whether you follow them or not. Don't lie. Somebody say amen. Some of you are like, yeah, that's you in my life, Gary. I unfollowed you. I'm going to talk about how we deal with sort of the, the mental aspects, depression, stress, anxiety that flare up during the holidays, addiction. We're going to talk about how we deal with making sure in the hustle and bustle and the consumerism of the holidays that we stay focused on what the true reason for the season is. It's going to be a fun series, and I'm looking forward to it. But today we're going to deal with what I believe is the number one stressor, the number one thing that causes anxiety, the number one thing that gets magnified during the holiday season. And we're going to talk about financial stress today. Now, I know none of you deal with financial stress. I know that everybody here is bling, bling, ching, ching, and around here, and they're good to go during the holidays. But man, I got 731 kids in my house, and we deal with financial stress from time to time. And it gets magnified during the holidays. We've taken the holiday season, and we've turned it into one huge shopping spree. From Christmas gifts to Christmas parties to travel expenses to entertainment, it seems like all you hear is cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching during the holiday season. And nothing will rob you of the joy of the holiday season more than financial stress. So how do we deal with it? The amazing thing is this book talks so much about it. Did you know the average American will spend $1,750 on Christmas gifts this year? Do you know that just five years ago it was $900? That's how much it's went up because the economy's doing good. Let me rephrase that. The illusion that the economy is doing good. Now, that's just on gifts. Add all the other things that happen during the holidays, gas for traveling, all the money for the side dishes you'll be bringing to the party, the money you'll spend on your ugly sweater for the staff Christmas party, the holiday dinner you'll be hosting, the, the money to, that you'll give to causes that you normally wouldn't give to. This blew my mind when I read this. It said the average American will add 
$500 to their budget during the month of December. I don't care where you are financially in life, there's no way for that not to add stress to your life. 83% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, meaning if they missed one paycheck, they would be in huge financial ruin. Yet during the holidays, we come along and we forget sound financial principles. We go into bad financial principles, and it brings us stress. And we every year say, I'm not doing it again this year, but we feel this pressure to do it. So today we're going to talk about financial stress. Now here's what happens in church. People get funny when you talk about money. It's funny, man. We, we can talk about anything and everything. But don't let the preacher talk about money because that's just a mess where I drive. It's none of his business. Here's the deal. It's none of my business. I don't mean this in a jerkish way. How much money you spend doesn't affect me. If you go so deep in the hole this year that you got to go bankrupt, at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me. But it affects me when i got to come along and meet with you and rally the troops to help you because you simply don't know how to handle your finances throughout the year. See, here's the problem in our country. We don't have a money problem. we got a spending problem. That's why athletes can make million dollars a year and they go bankrupt. It's just another zero. It's why lottery winners can win all this money and go bankrupt. It's just another zero. And it adds another zero to every aspect of their life. Instead of the $250,000 house, it's a $2.5 million house. Instead of the $20,000 car, it's a $200,000 car. You just add a zero to the income, and what we do is we add a zero to the debt, and we deal with financial stress, and we deal with it during the holidays. And the Bible says when that happens, we get anxiety. And anxiety does what? It weighs down the heart. It robs us of our joy. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Luke chapter 12 today. If you don't have your Bible, it's all good. It'll be on the screen. It don't lose meaning on the screen, baby. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture. And we're going to be looking at it, and it's not your typical Christmas passage of Scripture. But it's a portion of Scripture that has principles that we can apply to our lives throughout the year, but especially during the holiday season. And here's what you need to understand today. We believe that this book is true. We believe it is helpful. We believe it is practical. We believe it is timely for whatever you're going through. Written thousands of years ago, it's still as relevant today as it ever was. So many people won't open the book. They think it's confusing. It's not a confusing book. You make it complicated. Preachers make it complicated. It's a simple book. We don't come to the Bible just to learn principles so we can get better in life. We come to the Bible to learn about Jesus and follow his example. I say all that to say this. The text today is dealing with the subject of fear. It's dealing with the subject of anxiety. It's dealing with the subject of stress. And Jesus is going to show us how we deal with those things. But it's dealing with the subject of fear, anxiety, and stress in a financial context. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 12. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. 
But they do not sow, they do not reap, there is no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? Who to you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow stone to the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But, but, I tell people all the time, I've been saying this for seven years, and I need to suck it up and do it. There are some powerful buts in the Bible. I want to do a series called I Like Big Butts and I Cannot Lie and talk about all the great butts in the Bible. You know, like, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, you know. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about all that stuff. Seek his kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear to treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief can come near or no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have heard this scripture preached a lot over the years. And it's always preached in the context of stress, worry, anxiety, and it fits every one of those categories. But this scripture is dealing with one specific aspect of stress. Financial stress. Stress over material things. Stress over possessions. It's a power-packed portion of scripture that if we apply to our life during the holiday season, it will benefit us and help us stay focused during the holidays. See, we need to understand something about financial stress. The first thing is financial stress begins in the mind. It begins in the mind. I did something a little bit different today. I read all the scripture once, and we're going to go back and dissect it a little bit. But financial stress begins in the mind. Look what he says in Luke chapter 12. Do not be afraid, little flock. The phrase, do not be afraid, literally translated in the original language, means fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not, little flock. Did you, did you know that actually the command to fear not is the most given command in the entire Bible. It's given, check this out, I think it's kind of cool. It's given 365 times. One for every time of the year. Fear not. Fear not. Every day, fear not. (laughs) In the first five books of the Bible alone, don't miss this, there's 613 commands given to us. And the number one command is fear not. Fear not. Fear not. And now listen, don't interpret that as saying, God's saying, don't plan. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, don't prepare. Some of us are just lazy and irresponsible, and we use this verse for a reason. We use this verse to, to, to justify the fact that we're disorganized, that we don't think about the future. That, that we don't have, that we, we're not going to pay our taxes or have life insurance or, or make sure there's an emergency fund set back. Hey, God says don't fear, so I'm just going to operate anyway. No, that's not what it's saying. The Bible also talks a lot about wisdom. 
It talks a lot about storing up. It talks a lot about planning. It talks about preparing. It talks about strategizing. It talks about anticipating your future. It talks about getting ready for your future. So don't use that as an excuse just to live life by seat of your pants. But it says fear not. The Bible says we should be prepared and we should plan for the future. But the Bible says we shouldn't fear it. Don't freak out about it. Don't stress over it. Do all you can and trust God with only what God can do. Jesus says, fear not. So what is fear? Fear is very simply this. Fear is our response to danger that is real or perceived. It's our body's response to how we perceive or we accept fear. And fear starts in the mind. Our mind then tells our body how to respond. So when the financial stress of the holidays come along, our mind tells us how to respond and to respond with fear and respond with anxiety. And to deal with all the things, we got to get this gift and that gift and go to this party and do that and do this. And all of a sudden, what ought to be awesome turns into this stressful ball for us that's crazy. And the fact of the matter is all of us have fears. Every single one of us have some type of fear. Some fear sickness, some fear death, some fear drowning, some fear burn, some fear public speaking, some fear being single, some fear being alone. We all have fears, and from time to time, those fears begin to take over. But God says, fear not. Fear not. Can, can I confess something to you? This is how bad I stress out sometimes. This is how bad I get fearful sometimes. I used to read this verse where it said, fear not, and it would stress me out. You know why? Because I'm operating in fear, and God's telling me not to fear. And I'm like, holy smokes, I'm not a good believer, I'm not a good Christian. God's telling me not to fear, and I'm fearing, and what do I do? And it would create me anxiety reading God's word. But you know the problem was? It's how I was reading it. Anybody ever do that with text messages? I know they had an attitude. You call them, I know you had an attitude. The They're like, man, what are you talking about? I just meant to, but we read it with tone. See, I used to read it as God being domineering and saying, fear not. But God was saying, hey, fear not, little flock. I'm God. I got you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I had the hairs on your head numbered. You're worried about this and worried about that. Don't, don't, don't sweat it. I got it. See, as financial pressure of the season weighs on us, our mind tells us to freak out. And we begin to freak out. When Christine and I first got together, I think probably the first two to three years of our marriage, every holiday season, we'd freak out and there was a fight over spending. Because I operate different than her when it comes to money. I'm just saying. Got checks, got money. There's money in the bank. I got a card. She, on the other hand, is very smart with money and plans. And, and we're probably the opposite of the spectrum. And both of us have grown in that area. But we were probably, in our first years, we were both unbalanced in both areas. Money became an issue, and we would fear issue, and it would affect our mind. And see, we only fear losing what we love. And we don't think about the fact that we love money, but we love money because our world runs by money. 
No money means no house payment. No money means no gas. And no money means no food. And we begin to operate. And I, I feel like I deal with people, and they're always in the hustle, and they're always in the scramble for money. I just got to get this, and I got to get that, and I got to rob Peter pay Paul, I just got to get through this. And I'm like, we just don't understand sound financial principles. I, I just don't understand why it never adds up. Well, you make $3,000 a month, and you spend $5,000 a month. That's why it doesn't add up. And it takes over our mind. And it begins to affect our body. And that's the second point. Fear affects our body. It begins in our mind. Stress begins in our mind. And it begins to affect our body. And nothing will eat away at your body more than stress and fear. It'll affect your appetite. It will affect your sleep. It will affect your mental state. It affects your temper. It affects your demeanor. It affects your body because we've allowed something that God says fear not to enter into our mind I've been talking to you a lot about how powerful the mind is and then our mind tells our body to go into freak out mode now remember here in this text Jesus is talking about financial stress and he tells us hey don't fear it don't worry about it I got you and we're going to get to the verses here in a minute how he's got us because he flips the script on how he has us so fear starts where? It manifests itself where? Right. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how God designed our bodies. You know what's even more amazing to me is how God writes his book. This book was written by Luke. Did you know that Luke was a doctor? So as Luke's writing this book, he's writing it the only way he knows how, through the aspect of a doctor who cares about the body and cares about the mind. He's saying this is what happens. It affects your mind. Man, this, this book is so amazing how it's written. He says in verse 25, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? You're worried about this, and you're worried about that, and you're worried about this, and guess what? You worrying about it's not going to change whether it's going to happen or not happen. You're just worrying about it. You're worried about whether or not the bills are going to get paid. You're allowing it to stress you. You're allowing it to go into lockdown mode. But guess what? If the bills aren't going to get paid, they're not going to get paid. And your worrying's not going to change it. Matter of fact, your worrying probably hindering you from doing something about it. I deal with this with people in insecurity all the time. They're worried about their spouse cheating. And they worry about it nonstop and they get consumed with it. Guess what? If they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat. And you're worrying about it. It's not going to change it. You're just all stressed out until it happens. It might not ever happen. Not a lot of amens on that that hit too close to home. <laughs> Starts in the mind, affects the body. We worry about our kids. I worry about my kids all the time, but here's the deal. Me worrying about it is not going to change the outcome of my kids. It doesn't add an hour to my life. Matter of fact, it might take it. It might take an hour. This is how relevant the Bible is. Written over 2,000 years ago. <coughs> and yet stress was still a huge factor in that day. Jesus says, I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to be worried. I don't want you stressed over financial issues. Because here's the deal. When you're worried about those things, you're only affecting yourself. He said, by you stressing, you're reducing the quality of life that you could be living. He says, you're actually shortening your life by operating in fear. <coughs> I told you last week, man, I am the chief among sinners when it comes to stressing and one of the biggest areas of stress for so many of us is finances. I have a very unique way that I make money. I make it through events. So what happens is I get a large sum of money at one time, but then I might not have any money for months and months and months. 
that can be stressful at times. It can be interesting at times. My wife makes money by events. So we don't know if she's going to get called to do this event or that event. When she gets called to do an event, it's a lot of money. But we don't know after that that check comes in how many weeks or even months it's going to be. She hasn't had one of her events since, what, the beginning of October. Won't have another one probably at the end of January. You've got to know how to handle financial stress. You've got to know how to manage your money during those times. We don't have a money problem. We have a spending problem, and it causes financial stress in our life. Fear in the mind leads to stress in the body. Do you know one of the top three reasons for divorce is financial stress? One of the top three reasons for divorce is financial stress. It affects us in huge, huge ways. Jesus says that stress is the body's response mechanism to fear in the mind. As our mind tells us the fear financial pressure we're dealing with, our body then takes that on and it overflows in horrible ways and we try to get our body back in line in unhealthy ways. And so what we do is we deal with it with alcohol abuse or drug abuse or a short fuse or we're easily irritated or lack of sleep and we try to handle it in our own way and we end up making our body in a bad place and it's this huge vicious cycle that keeps spiraling bigger and bigger and bigger all because we didn't know how to deal with the financial stress in the short term and here's the reality during the holidays there's going to be financial stress and you got to learn how to deal with it man it's amazing jesus lays out the repercussions for us man he's so amazing in this book he says you can't lengthen your life by worrying he lays out the repercussion it causes our mind to fear because our mind fears it alters our body but the great thing about jesus what i dig so much about him is is jesus doesn't just lay out the problem you ever had someone like that and they're great at identifying the problem Hey, you know, Gary, well, hey, I see it. And I'm like, thanks, Einstein. But they never give you a solution. Man, God loved us so much. He said, here's the problem. The problem is we deal with stress. The problem is one of the biggest factors in our life is going to be financial stress. During the holidays, financial stress is going to go to the next level. Hey, guess what? It's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your body. But he doesn't say, hey, just deal with it. He says, let me lay it out for you, how to handle it. And here's what's so amazing about our God. It's so contrary to the way the world says handle it. See, we need to understand something. Jesus understands our fear. To me, that's what's amazing about Jesus. You haven't dealt with anything in this world that he hasn't dealt with. I don't know about you, but I think it's awesome that Jesus would talk about financial stress because here's something we don't think about when it comes to Jesus. He understood financial stress he doesn't just talk about it he understands it it's easy it's easy to say fear not when you're chilling in heaven being worshiped by angels hey fear not man it's all good up here on the streets of gold he came to earth in the flesh 33 years and he dealt with the same things that you and i deal with he became a man just like you know, he dealt with the temptations and the struggles and the responsibilities just like God did. In, in, Hebrew, in Hebrews, it says we don't have some high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. It says we have a high priest because he can deal with our weakness because he's been there, done that, got the t-shirt or dare I say the scars to prove it. 
When Jesus says fear not, he understands what it's like to suffer physically. He understands what it's like to die. He understands what it's like to have people ruin your reputation. He knows what it's like to have family think you're crazy. He knows what it's like to have friends who dip out on him. He knows what it's like to go into the garden and pray and bring your friends with you and then fall asleep during your biggest time. He understands what it's like to have someone betray him. And he understands what it's like to deal with financial stress. The Bible makes it very clear. He lived a life homeless and broke. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like waiting for God to provide the next thing on time, all the time, just for our needs. He lived a life that he lived and he spoke of what he knew. And so when he talks about financial stress, he gets it. He lays it out in these verses, but he lays it out in a way that you would never expect. I've read a lot of books on financial stress. I've read a lot of articles on financial stress, and I've never seen anyone lay it out like Jesus did here in this portion of Scripture. So after Jesus comes along, and he starts talking about how stress and financial stress affects our mind and affects our body, he then turns this attention to the subject of our stress. And this is classic Jesus. I mean, you know, I'm freaking out about my stuff, my car, my house, my credit card. And Jesus comes along and starts focusing on things that I ain't even thought about. <laughs> See, people read this portion of Scripture, and what they get out of this portion of Scripture, here's Jesus. Jesus saying he just wants my stuff. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want to take your stuff. He wants to take your stress. Don't miss this. The problem is so much of our stress comes from our stuff. But all you hear is Jesus wants my stuff. Give this up and give that up and give the. He's not saying you got to give that up. He's saying, hey, that's what's causing you the stress. That's what you're focused on. That has become your God. Mm-hmm. I ain't even going to preach it. I'm just going to lay it out to you. Look what he says. He says, for life is more than food. Let me stop right there. <laughs> If anybody knows anything about me, food's a big deal to me. Can I get an amen, Christine Lamb? Christine, my love, my bride, what's the first thing I ask every morning? What's for dinner? Why does it matter? Because I want to mentally prepare for what's for dinner. I love food, I think it's amazing. Now, everyone's not like that. My wife could care less about food. She's going to eat grilled chicken and vegetables wherever she goes. That's why she looks like she does. And this is why I look like I do. I love food. And Jesus says, life's more than food. Here's what he's saying. He's not saying not to eat. Eating's important. What he's saying is is that food can become all-consuming. Now, you need to understand in the context here, in this day and time, they didn't have refrigeration and all the things we had. So food was a daily thing. It was daily, how do we gather up food where we can eat today? Our problem is not that we have a lack of food. Our problem is we have so much food. that it can, where are we, Don't lie. Some of you are already thinking, where are we going to eat today? Here's the problem. I'm going to tell you how we think. We start church at 10 o'clock for one reason and one reason. Someone said, why y'all start church? Or here's why. Or we can beat the Baptist and the Methodist at a restaurant. I like football, and I like NASCAR, and I want to get home. I want to go eat, and I want to get home before those things start. 
I don't want to be in line. So here's the deal. I ain't going to tell you where I eat. Some of you know I eat the same place every Sunday. But we have a plan after service. Do we not? Rhonda cuts a rug. She gets to the restaurant because some of you found out. Now you show up with your large group trying to take my table. So we got strategy, Chris. That's how consuming food is to us. At this place that we eat at, we ate there Friday. And I said, hey, with some of the people we don't I said, I need to under- everybody to understand something here. Just because we're here on Friday don't mean we're changing it up on Sunday. Did I not, Bubba? Did I not? I, laid- I said, this is where we're going on Sunday. Because I'm routine. That's how I roll. I got issues. I get it. Food's all consuming to me. I don't like curveballs. But Jesus comes along and says, you're stressing. Hey, man, life is more than food. Then he says, life is more than food. And the body, more than clothes. Now, is it a sin to wear clothes? Good Lord, no. It's a sin for some of you not to wear clothes. Okay? I'm glad you're wearing clothes. You laugh. We've had some people show up here with barely no clothes on before. We've had some homeless show up in here and we're like, hey, go over there and get us some clothes. Glad they're here, but they got to get some clothes on. Don't freak out. They weren't totally naked. I appreciate it. He's saying, quit worrying about what you look like. He's saying, quit faking it. Quit worrying about looking like you've got it all together. Church on Sunday. Got to give God our best and wear our best. Really, what you're trying to do is just fake it out like you got it all together. You know what I mean? He said, quit worrying about that. We're so consumed with ladies. He said, you ain't got to change the outfit ten times. We get it. We think you look hot in whatever you got on. Guys, guess what he's saying? It's okay to wear something else besides sweatpants too. Quit worrying about your clothes. Because worry will kill you. He said, quit worrying about your eating. Ain't it amazing a day how much time we spend worrying about those two things? Now, I dig it right here in verse 24. This is not anything you'd find in any other book on stress. Verse 24, consider the ravens. I have book after book of book on my house about finding. I've got every book Dave Ramsey's ever written. And I've never seen chapter 7, Nasty Birds. As you're dealing with stress, what we want you to do is think about the nastiest bird there is. The bird that flies around and eats things that are no one, bird, like ravens are gross. They're nasty. They're dirty. They're unclean. Nobody except the old man Brooke and Shawshank Redemption has a pet raven. And if you do have a pet raven, I'm sorry, something's not right about that. They're weird. But he's talking about financial stress. He says, hey, let me me tell you what I do. Just consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They do not have storerooms or barn. Look what he says. They don't work for their food. They're not out there working the field and reaping the benefits of their work. They don't have a storeroom. They're not thinking where they're like, man, I'm going to go store up all this food and keep it all back because I'm a raven. I'm smart. No, they're stupid birds. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? He said, you're worried about financial stress and you're worried about what you're going to eat. He says, our father takes care of stupid birds. And if he takes care of birds, he's going to take care of you. Man, 
They don't have combines. They're not heading to the barn, working the field. They don't work for their food. They fly around waiting to see something dead that they can come pick at. Yet God feeds them. And he says, children, how much more valuable are you? We're stressing over something that God says, I got you. I got this. I'm going to provide. You're stressing. I got you. Then look what he says. Look what he says. Consider how the wildflowers grow. I just got to be honest with you. With all due respect to Jesus, as I read this, it comes across like Jesus is some dope-smoking hippie. Consider the wildflowers, man. You're stressed, but think about the wildflowers. And this is from a man, like a carpenter, like a tough dude. I got to be honest, I dig flowers, but I ain't ever stopped to consider them. I've never had wildflower day at the lamb house. I get it, Jesus teaching, but it's kind of weird when you first read it. I'm dealing with financial stress. Brandon, you come to me like, Gary, I'm dealing with financial stress. I'm like, hey, dude, just consider the wildflowers, bro. You're like, yeah, okay. Thanks, man. Somebody comes on and say, man, Gary, help you? And you're like, no. He didn't at all. Like, I don't even know what he's talking about. I think he shot out. He told me to think about birds. Not just any bird or raven, the nasty bird. Now he's telling me to think about wildflowers. He said, consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's saying wildflowers don't have fashion shows. They don't sew their own clothes. They don't go to malls. They aren't on the television show what not to wear. He said, but look at them. They're beautiful and they're awesome. I think one of my, I just had this discussion with Christine, one of my favorite parts of Cherokee County I love driving up 575 and seeing those wildflowers in the middle. I literally love it so much that I sent our city manager an email because I always write them. I want to compliment. I said, man, thank you for those. They're, they're just beautiful. They're awesome. And God says, those are just wildflowers. And look how God clothes them. And God takes care of them. And God makes them so beautiful. They look amazing. They aren't worried about how they look. There's no rose. It's like, I got too many thorns. He said, why are you worried about those things? He says this, if that is how God clothes and grasps the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? He said, you're worrying about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. You're worried about all this financial stress. And God's like, man, I take care of the ravens. I take care of the wildflowers. You're made in my image. I'm going to take care of you. Fear not. Three of you get it. It's awesome. Verse 20, I says, don't set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about it. God says, quit stressing over things. Remember, when you stress, it weighs down the heart, and the heart affects the body, and the body affects the outflow, and then we deal with the stress and all the horrible habits that we have, all because we're worrying about the wrong things. 
Look what he says. He says, the pagan world runs after such things. Your father knows that you need them. He said, why are you acting like the world? Why are you acting like those who don't know me? I know your needs. God knows your needs before you know them. And he's an on-time, all-the-time God. He's saying, is food bad? No. He's saying, is clothing bad? No. He says, God knows we need them. It's not a sin to have these things. It's not a sin to enjoy these things. But it's a sin to allow financial stress to dominate us. Recently, I have dealt with someone who's just going through hell. And it was odd to me the first time they came to me about hell. You know what their issue was? This wasn't their issue, but this is how it manifested itself. I've never even had a brand new pair of shoes. Yes, that's a great reason to destroy your life. Go destroy everything over that. You idiot. So that's not very personal. Sorry. Stress. I can't help but to think the devil just gets in your head like, like the smallest, stupidest thing. I got that way a few years ago. I said, I have never, ever in my life bought a brand new car. First of all, what a horrible investment. Like, why would that make me mad? But I was like, I've just never been able to walk on a lot and pay out exactly what I want. And oh, where? <laughs> but it'll consume us. We worry about all the wrong things. The world runs after those things. We get into the comparison game. We get into the debt game. We get into, if my kids have got to have this because those kids have this and blah, 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 blah. And we magnify it during the holidays. We feel guilty because our kids ask for something during the holidays and we might not be able to get it for them. Here's the deal. I love my kids. Most of them are older, but Luke's still seven. I gave him the Target magazine with all the toys. Here's the deal. He circled every freaking toy in there. And Luke's smart. He'll tell you why he needs it. I love him. He's not getting every toy in there. He's just not. I can't afford it. And guess what? He's just going to play with the boxes anyway. Man. We're so busy in the rat race that we just get consumed with things. And those things rob us of our joy. But look what he says in verse 3. But. But. He said, you're worried about this, this, and this, and this. He said, just seek his kingdom. Just seek the will of God. Put God first. Put the purpose for your life first. Put his will first. His desires first. You put God first. He says all these things will be given to you as well. When you put the first things first, everything else just falls into place. That's good preaching. Somebody better clap. Especially during the holidays, think about it. It's all about him at the end of the day. Make it about him and everything else just falls into place. Man, we're worried about the wrong things instead of worrying about God being first in our life. God first with our kids. God first with our finances. God first with our marriage. God first with our time. God first with our talents. God comes first. 
I've never in my life, I say this and people think I'm being, I say never met a broke giver. When you're generous, God just blesses you. I don't know how to explain it. I don't understand it. Let me back that up. Yeah, I do know how to explain it. I know how to understand it. He says, seek him first, and these things will be given to you. We put God last. We make God a last resort. And I, I, you know, y'all know my hobby horse ran. Well, all we can do now is just pray. Like it's a last resort. Put God first. God says, focus on the things that I'm focused on. Focused on the things that I desire for you, and I'll take care of you. He says, quit seeking your desires and seek after what God desires for you. We allow our ego to get out of control. We need it fed. Feed the ego. Through things and possessions and affirmation and this and that. I did it for years. I'll be successful when I have this and I'll be content. When I, and then when I get this, I'd be like, I got to get this. I got to. It was never enough. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, look, we're right back to where we started. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Remember, we started there. Fear not. You're stressed over all these things. Put God first. Don't fear. God says we don't have to worry. We don't have to let fear take a grip on our mind and affect our body. He's going to take care of us. <laughs> Man, but that wouldn't just be enough for God to say, fear not. I hate when preachers just get up and say, fear not, and don't tell me how to do that. I used to go to a church and it was just old hard shell bad. And the preacher, he, he loved to rail on drinking, man. Yeah, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking. He just tell all these things y'all not doing. I was like, awesome. But that guy over there is a drunk, so give him a little bit more than that. If just telling him not to do it was good enough, man, that'd be cool. Give him some answers. God lays out some answers here. And trust me, you don't see this coming. It ain't in any financial book you've ever read. He says, hey, sell your possessions and give to the poor. I thought I was broke already. He says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there's your heart would say. Here's what Jesus said. He's not saying go get rid of everything you have and become homeless. He's not saying that for all of you. He might tell some of you that. I don't know. If it's such a stronghold in your life. But what he's saying is this. Your heart follows your money. Where does your money go? Let me tell you where your money goes. Trust me. Your money goes to your fears. You want security, so it goes to a home. You want comfort, so it goes to entertainment. You want status, so it goes to possessions. You want approval, so it goes to clothes. You want friends, so it goes to gift. Jesus has got it. He said, hey, your money goes to all the wrong things. Is there anything wrong with a home? Nope, I'm proud of my home. Is there anything wrong with a car? I'm proud of my car. Is there anything wrong with clothes? Again, I'm a big fan of clothes. Trust me, you don't want me up here preaching naked. But he's saying those things ought to not dictate us. They ought to not consume us. 
He said, get focused on the things of God. And God cares about taking every resource we have, not just our financial resources, but our talent resources and our time resource. And he cares about those impacting other people. God says, we need to make an impact to those that are having needs. He says, you need to make it about others. Let me tell you something, the most important thing some of you could do today. Leave here today and go grab an ornament off that tree. That's not even, I didn't preach this whole sermon to get you good ornaments on the tree. Those ornaments will be gone. I'm not worried about that. But it's the best thing. Some of you here, your kids are on that tree. Let me tell you the best thing you could do. Leave here and get an ornament off that tree. Well, I can't afford Christmas. I, said, I, I get it. But you can afford one gift. Go without a pack of cigarettes this week. Go without an energy drink this week. Go without the McDonald's drive through this week. Turn your Netflix off this week. Eileen, who's preaching? Me or you? <laughs> Starbucks. Seven years that woman's preached down there in the crowd. Brad, get her in line. You got money for what you wanted to have. I don't even know how to provide Christmas for my family. You want me to provide someone else? I mark my words. It's how it works. It's how it works. God provides all the time. My wife and I bought a house two years ago. We bought a house that before we bought that house had been transformed into offices. So we wanted to live in this part of town. We live two blocks away. We're down here in the and we call it the ghetto, and uh, the ghetto's awesome. Man, you got roosters running around that, that drive you crazy. Last night, I had to get redneck at 2 o'clock in the morning because, man, literally guys were throwing down across the street. And I'm, I'm throwing down, fists, like getting it on, like Donkey Kong, man. They didn't speak a word of English until I said I was calling the police, and, boy, they spoke English all of a sudden. It was amazing. Like, it's never a dull moment in the ghetto. But because our house used to be offices, there was no kitchen. So for two years, we've had a break room. Literally, a break room, two cabinets, a sink that half the time worked. Someone did come along, and someone in our church purchased us a stove, and someone in our church came along and put an outlet in for that. And every time we start to get money, we're like, it's time to do the kitchen. We're like, the kitchen! Like, I don't got to be anything nice, it's just the kitchen! Something comes along. We take in someone's kid. We have to help somebody financially. We have to help a family member. God lay, and I, it gets so frustrating in the flesh. Every single time. And just wanna, I just want to be able to lay the pot on the, on, the, on the counter. Like we have to put up baby gates to block the door because when we're cooking, we got to lay like the pots in the floor because there's no counter space. It's It's, it's awesome. This week, man, someone comes and says, hey, I got all these cabinets. They're awesome. I'm doing a remodel. Would you like them? And I was like, yeah. Then called a friend of ours, and he's like, man, I can put those in. I'll jerry-rig them, blah, 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 blah. And, and then in our garage, a couple of years ago, another buddy of ours did a remodel. He said, hey, man, there is brand-new oven and dishwasher and all this all stainless. Man, do you want it? It's been in our garage for a year and a half. And all of a sudden, God starts providing. God starts taking care. And here's the funny thing. He didn't do it on my timing. He did it on his timing. 
but he always provides. He says, I'm taking care of the ravens. I'm going to make sure the fat preacher gets fed. You can't outgive God. He always provides. Always. We had the thing go wrong with our car where we had to go to a body shop and get it fixed. And I was like, man, I don't want to spend the money on it. So we come out of my restaurant. I'm not telling you my restaurant because I don't want you taking up all my seats on Sundays. Last Sunday, we leave our restaurant and there's a note on the door. Hey, I'm at the bar. I hit your car. Guess what? He hit our car. Now I think the other spot's going to get fixed by insurance free too. God just provides. See, some of you would look at that as negative. I look at it as, hey, God provides. Somebody else come hit it again. <laughs> that whole thing looking good. He's just saying where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I don't do much good in my faith, but for some reason when it comes to being generous and meeting needs, God's always just led me to do that and leads my wife. And God always, he said, you're worried about money. You're worried about stress. Just think about others. And I will provide for you. You're stressed over finances. <laughs> man. God's saying, listen, man, just get it right. Those that are generous seem to always have the most peace. Man. You want to deal with financial stress? Give. What? That don't make sense, Gary. I'm just telling you what it says. It says Give. Now, we hear giving automatically think money. And that's an aspect of it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He's just saying give of yourselves. Give of your time. Give of the, t- the talents you have God gave you. And he says don't use them just for yourself. Use them to be a blessing to others. You can't outgive God. Jesus comes along and flips the script. Now we need to use our brain during the holiday season. Let me give you some educational things real quick. These ain't biblical. Well, they are biblical. There's actually biblical principles back here. On. Let me give you some financial stress. This thing. Don't spend more than you have. Let me repeat that. Earth-shattering news. Many of you don't know this, and you'll find this surprising. I think I've mentioned it like three times ever. I actually have a doctorate degree in theology. I'm Dr. Lamb. And I went all those times to school to get that doctorate to tell you this. Earth-shattering news. Don't spend more than you have. What does that mean, Gary? It means if you've got $20 to spend for Christmas, don't spend 21 If you don't got it, you don't got it. It's not about the gifts. I don't know how to deal with the financial pressure of the holidays. i got all these kids. Teach your kids it's not about the gifts anyway. But guess what? God will provide. He always does. Ye of little faith. Fear not, little flock. I'll provide. I'll provide. How do we deal with financial stress? By being generous. It's a book that don't make sense. In the natural. But it's not a natural book. It's a supernatural book. I just don't know if it works. Well, here's what I do know. What you're doing, don't. So keep doing what you've been doing. Don't complain about what you've been getting. Let's pray.